Good morning, church. Some great worship today. Thank you for participating in that, for sure. So believe it or not, we are in week six, our final week of our series on the book of Joshua, which means Romans is like way in the rearview mirror, right? Which means next Sunday is the beginning of Advent, right? So some of you need to get on the Christmas shopping, right? You're dragging your feet a little bit, and that's okay. How many of you Black Friday shopped? Anybody? All right. Really? How many of you are Cyber Monday shopping? How many of you would say you're doing at least 50%, if not more, of your shopping online this year? All right, I hope Amazon is watching. And Amazon, you're welcome for that. I'll be expecting a check in the mail. Appreciate that very much. I actually read yesterday an article that Amazon may be purchasing Fox Sports. Um, so they're going to take over the world eventually. In fact, if something ever happens to Macy's, I feel quite confident it will be the Amazon Thanksgiving Day Parade. So anyway. So I probably don't have to tell you this, but we are better together, right? That's a simple statement, but it's profoundly true. None of us is to do life on our own. And this morning, we're going to kind of wrap up the book of Joshua with an example of what can happen when we put distance, and, and not just geographical distance, but distance between ourselves and others. Right? Because we are created for community. We need friends. We need good friends. More than that, we need people in our life that can be brutally honest with us. We need to give permission to people in our lives to be brutally honest with us. And in Christian circles, we have come to call this accountability. How many of you have heard that word, accountability, right? So I wanted to look up a definition for accountability. So I went to Merriam-Webster, and this is the definition of accountability according to Merriam-Webster. It is the quality or state of being accountable. <laughs> Deep, right? It gives a little bit more beyond that. It says it is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. Okay? So we need accountability. We need people who love God and who love us. And because they love God and love us, they're willing to be honest with us. They're willing to hold us accountable. So I would just ask you to think in your mind for a second, who in your life has this ability, right? Account ability. In other words, who has the ability to sit down and listen to an account of your life, an account of your month or your week or your day, right? And then give you feedback, right? It could be your professional life, your personal life, your spiritual life, someone who's going to give you honest, Christ-centered feedback. Someone who's going to give you prayerful support. It's important that we have these people. We need this, all of us. Because otherwise, if we're not careful, misunderstandings can arise. Otherwise, conflicts can arise. Situations can escalate very quickly. And a perfect example of this, as I said earlier, can be found in the 22nd chapter of Joshua. And so I want to read for us today, uh, beginning in verse 9. And forgive me for min any mispronunciations of these names. 
So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. When they came to Geliloth, near the Jordan and the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan and Gililoth, near the Jordan on the Israelites' side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. Seems kind of odd, right? So let me set the table a little bit, okay? So two and a half tribes who are from the east, right, of the Jordan have been fighting on the west side of the Jordan in order to help kind of the whole, uh, help the Israelites gain the whole land of Canaan, all right? Their mission is now accomplished, and the battle has been won, so it's time for these tribes, these two and a half tribes, uh, to go back, to return home. But the minute that the warriors of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh leave Shiloh and return to their families across the Jordan, the barrier between them and the rest of Israel quickly becomes more than just a river, right? These tribes decide to build an altar to the Lord, and immediately misperceptions arise surrounding their rather unusual building project. The ten tribes west of the Jordan are alarmed by what looks to be idol worship. And we are told that the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against these two and a half tribes. Yikes. So we see here how quickly a situation can escalate, how quickly a situation can kind of get out of control. So I would ask you this morning to raise your hand if you have ever been a part of a misunderstanding. You know what? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning just to get the blood flowing if you've ever been a part of a misunderstanding. All right, now look around the room. So there's something we're going to do together this morning, okay? On the count of three, we're all just going to kind of let out a, oh, kind of thing, because that's what it feels like to be in the middle of a misunderstanding, right? So are you ready for this? It's got to be loud. The camera's going to pick it up. Folks online need to understand what we're doing, all right? So here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Ooh, that was good. If there was ever a Braveheart remake, I'm entering you guys into it. All right, go ahead and sit down. It feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like that to be a part of a misunderstanding. So fortunately, in this situation, in Joshua chapter 22, cooler heads prevailed. In particularly, a man named Phineas and his brother Ferb. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Phineas was actually the son of Eleazar. Some of you are like, what's Phineas and Ferb? I have no idea. It's a Disney cartoon, pretty hilarious, out years ago. Anyway, so Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, steps up. And he, along with a chief from each of the ten western tribes, they set out to go to visit the eastern tribes to find out exactly what's going on. So Phineas and the tribal leaders go, and they talk to the two and a half tribes. Phineas is honest and factual with the tribes, and he asks them what is going on. And I want to read that for you. 
Uh, this is verses 15 and 16. It says, When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, The whole assembly of the Lord says, How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? But you see, Phineas doesn't, he doesn't just come with complaints and questions, which I love, by the way. He also comes with solutions. So in verse 19, if I can find it, well, I'll just read it off the paper. It says this, if the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar of the Lord our God. So basically what Phineas is saying is, look, if things are, are skewed over here on the east side, then just simply come over to the west side and join us in worshiping the Lord our God, right? I love this. Phineas is like, look, you made a mistake. It happens, but it doesn't have to be this way. There is a way out. We need someone in our lives who can look at us and say, look, you made a mistake. We all do, but it's okay. It doesn't have to be this way. There's a way out. There's a way back into a right relationship with God, and there's a way back into a right relationship with God's people. And so Phineas says, come, share our land. This is really what accountability is, right? Come, share our land. In fact, one of the greatest stories of accountability that I can think of from my life today actually doesn't really involve me. It involves another uh, person that I know in this church and, who has invited someone basically into their home to come and stay with them for a while. And uh, the whole point behind it is just to, to provide some accountability, right? And what's really beautiful about this is they've invited this person into their home and, and are helping kind of hold this person accountable. But what's beautiful is, is what I'm seeing develop is this person is also holding them accountable. You know what I mean? And it works like that, right? Like it shouldn't be one-sided. It should be both ways. And so you're growing and you're stretching and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're stepping out in faith on both sides of, of the equation. And that's what accountability is to be. And so then we read on. Um, in verse 21, it says, Then Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, The mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows. And let Israel know. If this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us into account. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, you Reubenites and Gadites. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, on the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. Right? They're like, look, we did this for 
God. We did this to honor him, and we did this to ensure that generations from now, the people on both west, the west side and the east side of the Jordan would know where we stand and what we stand for. So the question then is, what does all of this mean for us, right? In these final chapters of Joshua, we see the importance of being informed and of holding one another accountable. Some of the Israelites had a really quick reaction to what appeared to be idol worship by several tribes that could have resulted in war. But you know what? They slowed down and they confronted their neighbor. Division and death could have plagued the land, but instead the tense situation was resolved when some leaders stepped in, stepped up, and did the right thing, which, by the way, was not to jump to conclusions. Think about all the arguments that could be avoided. Think about all the disasters that could be diverted if we were to make up our minds to get informed before getting angry. What if finding the facts was a first priority rather than a last resort? Listen to Joshua's final address to the people. This comes from Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and for my household, we will serve the Lord. So in Joshua's final address to the people, he warned the people that they would be tempted. Yes, you will be tempted to worship the gods of the other inhabitants of the land. He made a bold proclamation that he and his family would serve the Lord only. And he challenged them to make a decision as to whom they would worship and serve. Joshua, the spiritual leader of the new nation, was making a proclamation. And he was holding his people accountable. Accountability is not just something that happens behind closed doors among close friends. Accountability needs to take place at the highest level of any and every organization or in this case, even a nation. When this fails to happen, and we see this all too often, the organization sort of starts to take on an anything goes or whatever works mentality. Unfortunately, there is sometimes less accountability at the highest level. And this simply cannot be the case in the church. If the church of Jesus Christ, if if the church at Anderson Hills is to carry out God's mission in this community and around this world, then we need, nay, we should want accountability. Well, guess what? We do. We want accountability. We understand that God created us to be in community and to be united, not divided. The body of Christ is united by the blood of Christ, and we know that dissension can cause detrimental consequences. 
Jesus modeled how to be a true friend by laying his life down for us. And he calls us to do the same for others. We all need others to help hold us accountable in our walk with Christ. And it starts at the top. Here are some reasons why we need accountability. We need others to help us deal with sin in our lives. I mean, in Matthew 18, 15, the Matthew principle has been come to, to be known as, says, if your brother or sister sins, then go out and point out their fault just between the two of you, right? Accountability. We need others to help us deal with disagreements. We need others to speak truth to us. We need others to point out danger to us. We need others who make it their business to get into our business. We need that. Ultimately, accountability can be a means in which God draws us through the friendship and fellowship of others to himself. Self-sufficiency says we don't need anyone. And how many times are we guilty of having that attitude? I don't need anyone. But you know what? Humility shouts for help from those that God has placed in our lives. You will be stronger when you humble yourself and become dependent upon others. This habit of sharing and praying with others will inevitably teach us how to cast our cares on the only one who can fully bear the weight of those things and who loves us with an unfailing love. God graciously reminds us in his word that apart from him, we can do nothing. It says so in John 15, where Jesus admonishes us to abide in him. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And one great means of that reminder are the brothers and sisters that he puts into our lives. So the question this morning is, what steps do you need to take to get a friend like that or, or two in your life? We need to ask the Lord to provide people who will encourage us, people who will hold us accountable. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 through 26. It's kind of long, but listen along. Paul says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. You see where I'm going. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has, in fact, put the whole body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Listen, church, the body of Christ needs you. I need you. And whether you like to admit it or not, you need me, right? <laughs> the people on your right need you. The people sitting on your left need you. The people in front of you and behind you, they need you. I promise you that we are better together. 
illustration, right? How many of you have heard the story of the Titanic? How many of you knew that there's something in the news about Titanic 2? Have you guys heard this? Yeah, so an Australian guy is trying to build the boat again. Anybody want to sign up? All right. So the Titanic was sunk because of what? Yeah, okay. So we know an iceberg kind of looks like this, right? But, or that looks like a certain emoji that we don't want to talk about. But anyway, um, <laughs> so here you have the water, right? And the Titanic hit, or, you know, they could see they did at the last second this, right? But what really sunk the ship? All this, right? So let's just say for a second the top of this iceberg represents the things that people can see in you, about you, right? I mean, what are those things? Well, they can see what you look like. They can see what you wear, right? What about this stuff under the water? What about the stuff that maybe you're not letting anybody see? Guess what? If you don't let anybody see it, it's going to sink you. But the second you decide to take that water level down and to let other people, Christian people, people who love the Lord and love you and have your best interest at heart, the more you let those people see the stuff that right now might be hidden under the water, guess what? more God's going to be able to do in your life. God's going to be able to bring you freedom. God's going to be able to bring you release that maybe you've never had, but you've always wanted when you finally decide to let that guard down and to let him be God and to let others see what you're dealing with. There's a really good article. I'm not going to uh, read through it this morning, but I found it in my research, and I just wanted to point your attention to it. It's through an organization called Covenant Eyes, so if you're taking notes today, you can write that organization down. Uh, Covenant Eyes is the name of it, and uh, they have some material printed that we've used here from time to time with different things, but they had an article written that's called Five Reasons Why Christian Accountability Fails, and I found it really, really interesting uh, just to share with you the problems. Problem, was, problem one was when accountability partners are absent, problem two, when accountability groups are prog prog programmatic, which means they're focused more on the, the program, right? than the accountability itself. Problem three, when accountability partners are sincerity-centered, when accountability partners are obedience-centered, and when accountability partners forget the gospel. That's when it's sure to fail. And basically what it's saying is the same thing I just said with the iceberg. If you're really going to do this, if you're really going to commit to this, then don't make it about the program. Don't make it about the don't make it legalistic, you know what I mean? Like, well, let's come together and talk about how bad we are. Okay, we've done our thing. Let's check our list off, right? It's about really caring for the other person. It's about really opening up and being vulnerable with one another. And listen, guys, I believe that the church will change the second we start doing this. Find yourself that person or those people. And, and a husband and wife is great, but listen, you need to find somebody outside your marriage, right? You need to find... <laughs> Man, we got like laugh out loud over here. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> We've had emojis and laugh out louds all in the same service. Uh, I love you guys so much. And find accountability. You need it. Let's pray for it, all right? God, we thank you, um, Lord, that you give us Christian men and women who love us, who care about the body. God, their ears and their eyes and we're hands and feet. And God, you've given them to us because you want us, God, desperately to hold each other accountable. Father, great, greater love hath no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. God, help us to lay down our agendas, to lay down our priorities, to lay down our schedules, 
and to make time for one another. Father, we need this. Those around us need this. And God, ultimately, may you hold us accountable to living a life that is pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus I pray.